Hey guys, and welcome to another week of Property Rants, UK Property Rants, for the, what is it, the 7th of December, and um, welcome guys. So we've got um, Brian, Ritesh, and James for today, and uh, yeah, today, so what we're going to cover today is, um, yeah, where to invest in 2023. Obviously, lots of talks about recessions, and lots of talks about unemployment, downturn, all these negative things, um, and they seem to be, you know, everyone's pointing towards 2023 to happen. And um, yeah, so we'll chat about what are the areas we think you should be looking at and the reasons why behind that. Um, and in particular, obviously, one of the things we do well is regeneration. Now, before we get started, there's a more serious note that we need to um, get hold of, which is none of you guys are dressed in, um, you know, red outfit. What happened? Next week, next week. Um, so yeah, so guys, what, what's um, what what are your thoughts on twenty twenty three? What what's let's start with not necessarily the areas. What do you think goes into making an area a good area to invest in during a recession or during a downturn? What what are the things the key things? Who wants to kick us off? Uh, for me, good area for, for me, regardless of recession or non non recession, it's always fundamentals. Yeah, it, so we, you know, I'm a believer in sticking to cities and surrounding areas and the surrounding areas around cities for the simple reason, if we look at the simple economics of property, it's all driven around supply demand. Yep. So if you've got concentrations, concentrated areas where there's too many people, not enough places to live, then ultimately you're always going to find that prices and rents go up as long as you hold it over a period of time. Uh, and, and, and that's very much reflected in the sort of property that I've always invested in myself and, and what I've always recommended my clients to invest in as well. Because it's very much not just about, you know, the good times, because look, let's face it, when the economy is good, there's a lot of certainty around, you can buy pretty much anywhere and everything's going up, okay? But it, it's a case of where do I buy so that regardless of recessions or, you know, wherever we are in the economy, I know that my property will always stay rented. Um, and even if prices aren't shooting up, they're still relatively stabilized. So it's just getting a grip of the high demand element and, and, and through buying where the fundamentals are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and 100%, I think we, we agree with that. What about you, Ryan? Were you going to say something there? Follow regeneration. Uh, wherever has the biggest regeneration plans, the most amount of money. And I'm talking real regeneration, not these places like what I hear the other, somewhere up north near Newcastle, uh, that the, there's parts of inland revenue or something or the other moving 600 staff there. So some companies out there are pushing it as a, as a big regeneration story. 600 staff isn't going to bring you anything. Sure. Um, what you need to follow is, is where's the real money being invested in regeneration. So, you know, for the past decade, it's, it's been a lot in Manchester now, you know, Birmingham's really starting to kick off. Liverpool, you know, it's it's you know it's a tough one with Liverpool because Liverpool has all the fundamentals there to be a great city. Unfortunately, it's full of scousers. I'm sorry. We just lost half the audience. United, United fan talking here. Um, no, but but in all seriousness, Liverpool. I think now that they're Starting to show some cleanup in the political world with the councillor getting taken out, uh, you know, 
getting done for fraud and stuff like that. That seems to be going out, and you've got some big players. Is it Pill Group, if yep. I'm not mistaken, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. gone into the area? You know, you can start seeing that potentially it's an area that that you can start focusing on a little bit more. Uh, you know, and of course London. Um, you know, London will always have there'll always be a pocket across London where where there'll be a huge regeneration plan and, and regeneration in, in both formats of, of the private sector and, and sort of the public sector investing in the area. And I think as long as you stick to that, then then you should be okay throughout any recession because you know, all we have to do is look at Hackney and Brixton during well Hackney especially during sort of yeah. I think during the recession it continued to grow. Yep. Uh, because of the investment and it only saw saw its first slowdown in property price growth in in like 15 years last year, yeah. uh, which wasn't even a massive yeah. slowdown. So that's why it is very very important to sort of step away and also step away from the thought of this thought process of if you know I would live there, I would leave live there. To to be quite frank, <laughs> it doesn't matter where you would live because of course if you're the guy with the hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand pounds, there's a lot of areas you wouldn't live because you don't need to live in those areas, yeah. but those areas that you're going to invest in are areas that are going to be of huge demand for a big workforce because, you know, inflation isn't stopping any sooner. The actual sort of real wages isn't increasing at, at the fast pace. So a lot of people that earn below 50, 60,000 pounds a year are not going to be living in your best of best of areas. However, they are going to be living in areas where there is regeneration going. There's the, the area is going to be changing. They're either going to buy their first property there to live in, or they're going to rent there with, you know, giving them the ability to save a bit of money to go and purchase their property. So for me, fundamentals, yes, of course, you know, that's number one across anything, but during a recession, I would purely follow regeneration. Yeah. I think one of the other things too, and, and I agree with all those points, one of the other things is I talk about the every person house, you know, and, and the every person house is rather than buying where rich people live or where poor people live, you buy where the every person lives, where the vast majority of the population live. And when you do that, you see that there's a robust market there because the high end of the market, you, you can suffer void periods because there's not a huge population of people. When one person moves out, the next person can't necessarily move back in straight away. I mean, we've seen, I was, I was watching um, the stats in New York. Uh, the top-end market in New York has already dropped 28%, you know, which, which is a huge drop. Now, albeit it probably increased that much pre, you know, over COVID. Um, but the reality is, is that, you know, buying in an area where the every person invests is a great opportunity, you know. Now, the every person is changing, obviously. And this is, we're noticing this in the letting side where, we're raising the rates to meet the RPI, but that rate is too much for people to afford along with the other cost of livings. And so they're having to move out. So it may be that, you know, and this is how the inflation robs people. But I think the reality is if you go for the every person house, if you go for the regeneration, you know, if you go for the fundamentals, the shops, schools, transports, major employers, major investment, that's certainly the big picture stuff that you need to look at, yeah? So, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, good. Anything else is there? I'll just say uh, good morning, Kevin. Kevin joining us. I think you, you, must, you must have us on um, on the little bell uh, reminder because uh, we're seeing you here every time we jump on, you jump on, which is good news. So, uh, hello, Lakeland, Florida. Um, actually, I've been chatting about Florida today. Amazing things going on in Florida. 
um, right now, not necessarily for property side of things, but from business and entrepreneurship. And, you know, it seems um, we're saying that California is now a bit of a dump compared to what is now, um, you know, really Texas, you know, Austin, Texas, that sort of thing. And Florida seem to be the two places over there that are really doing well. But anyway, that's not the UK, that's the uh, US. Yeah, so is, is there anything else that you guys would, would say? James, yeah, I mean, just to add to your point, uh, Rit, about the everyday person home, uh, sorry, Brit, yep. Brett, <laughs> um, I, had a, I had a call with a guy uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was, um, he bought property in Hartlepool years ago, and he bought it with cash, it was 45 grand or whatever, and uh, the last six months, he's had a tenant who's not been paying in his rent, and uh, it's turned out to be a bit of a, a rogue, and has trashed the place and cost him all sorts of issues, and, you know, it's kind of... The sort of I told you so sort of argument, whereas like look, this is why we've always said to people buy in city centres because that is where you're going to attract your highest caliber of professionals because that's where the biggest employers are always going to sit and that will bring in the best you know high, most highly skilled qualified people and those are generally the people that are going to be your best type of tenants they can pay the rents they can look after the property and look even if people aren't buying and they're not able to buy there's still always going to be competition for rental property. Yeah. So you'll find that the rental competition gets stronger and rents go up. So even at the very least, if you're not getting the growth, you're getting, you know, you're getting good rents and you're able to sort of stabilize and, and cash flow and hold that property when the market yeah. does you know, good again. Those are areas we're going to, you know, sort of, yeah, and it's interesting because one of the things we're going to be chatting about next week is the state of the letting market and that sort of thing. And one of the issues we have with this, and one of the suggestions I'm making to any landlord is that if they can't afford to go without the rent coming in um, and they can't afford the legal process to evict somebody, then pay you two or 300 bucks to get the insurance coverage for the property because we're heading to a recession. People are going to lose their jobs. And if they lose their jobs, they stop paying rent. And the way the government protects them, you know, um, means that effectively you could be out of pocket massively and it affects your life and there's nothing you can do about it, you know. And, and, you know, if you think four to six months is what it takes now to evict a tenant if they want to be silly about it. Um, so if you can't survive that four to six months, then you need to change that. Anyway, we'll talk more about that next next week. So I think, you know, with this whole thing, where to invest? So, um, you know, there's some really good points there. And I think that's key too. You have to start off with those points in your mind before you go into an area. And actually, if the area doesn't tick those boxes, you're probably best to leave it alone over the next couple of years because, and, and it's interesting, you know, our own story realistically is, you know, we started out selling everywhere around the UK. You know, if we could get a deal, if we get a discount, if we could get regeneration, fundamentals, whatever, we'd do a deal there. But we, after the GFC, the global financial crisis, we stopped doing a lot of property and there's a lot of opportunities that we pass over now and we let go a lot of our developers that we were working with because even though they were good areas, the fact was that the investment wasn't there for the future and those good areas became, and over time, they've just degraded and degraded and degraded, which hasn't necessarily affected the rents. The rents have sort of crept up, but the capital growth hasn't happened. And I think mm. austerity and I think all these sort of things with gov which governments can do have affected those areas. So you've got to be really careful, and, and I can't stress enough, that, you know, if you invest into good areas with fundamentals and all these elements we're talking about, then you're more likely to get a capital return as well as an income return. So, yeah. Um, Absolutely. 
So then where, so let's just go around. Where's your, your best place to invest, do you think? If you had to, you know, whatever, however how much money, where are you going to invest for the best return, you reckon, over the next two years? For that question is, is, um, is massively dependent based on the capital that someone comes to the party with as well. Um, you know, if you come to the party with 40, 50 K, then, you know, you're looking at probably Liverpool and, and not much further. Um, you come into the market with two, three, four hundred thousand pounds, then, you know, I would say London and the commuter belt and look no further. Um, well, let's say you're just basing and, it on, just base it pure, and I agree a hundred percent that that is true. If you take out the money side, what's your pick for the best place across the UK? What do you reckon? Uh, during a recession? Yeah, for next year. You've got to buy something next okay. year. Let's uh, say in, in June next year, middle of the middle of the year, where are you going to buy? What area? Watford. Okay, yeah. Well, Watford. you're not all going to say Transportation. Watford, Tra- transportation <laughs> links. 15 minutes to get into central London. Um, your rent to the average renter will be a lot more affordable. Your owner occupier market will buy hugely there. The amount of money that's been invested in that area, um, the the proximity towards London and all the fundamentals are there. So the risk that you're taking is is massively reduced. Um, so if I'm going to invest in one place for next year, it would be Watford. Okay, cool. And obviously, one of the things we have got is this, um, you know, Watford Riverwell area which is, you know, 15 to 35, has got a massive plan, you know, regeneration, the whole lot. Funnily enough, it was on one of my lists of things to do. And obviously, you know, it's, it is a great area. And you took, you mentioned the, the, where it is, you know, it's commutable. Here's London, you know, that's Big Ben in the middle there. And if we follow up here, that's Watford here. So it's 15 minutes, is it? 15 minutes fast on the train, yeah. yeah. On the trip, but Brett, if you zoom in towards Watford, I'll tell you another great reason why Watford's a spot to, to yeah. invest in. Uh, you look at that next to it, you've got an area now. Zoom out a little bit, zoom out a little bit yeah. if you can. Uh, okay, next to that area, you've got an area called there, Rickmansworth. Yep, million millionaires, millionaire dreamland yep. over there, acres of land, massive houses, so on yep. and so forth. Above it, St. Albans again, another yep. sort of big players, uh, there, Bushy. Just underneath it again, we'll another there. millionaire's dreamland. Yeah. So you're tough. sitting in the middle there. Yeah. Those areas around you maintain the desirability of yeah. someone who's starting off to want to live somewhere like Watford yeah. and stay there. The schools, the, the the shops, the transport links, all those sort of stuff are is is centered there. The transportation makes it a great sort of uh, investment as i said 15 minutes on the train it's quicker to get to central london from watford than i think it would be from like a zone three or four yep. that's sitting on a on an underground because it's running under national rail and it's one or two stops and you're directly into king's cross so if you look at it not only does it have the transport it also has the infrastructure around it with with the areas uh, yep. that that are surrounding it um, and this is why Watford is going through regeneration because of the areas around it are, yeah. are, are far ahead and, and, and Watford needs to catch up. And it's interesting with this place. I know this place really well. I used to Elstree Aerodrome, which is just over here. That's where I used to fly my helicopters out of. So I've flown all around this area. I know it from you know top down. 
it's it's an amazing area. There is huge houses. There is you know lots and lots of stuff. But actually, there's lots of green grass and space. So when we talk about the race for space after COVID, this has been fantastic. You know, there's been huge opportunity for that. You know, and I think that's one of the key here too, is that when you start looking at places like Watford, um, you could be living in central London. You walk out of your office, you do a couple of tube stations. And then you catch another train straight out 15 minutes and you're in Watford and then 10, 15 minutes you're in place. So in under an hour, which, you know, is not a long commute by you know, most standards, you could be, you know, outside the city, you know, mm. and, you know, you what straight up the, the A11, M11 to the um, to Luton, you've got um, yeah. Stansted, you know, you've got everything right there. You know, and I think that's where, you know, when we talk about buying in London, that's great. Some of the London prices are, you know, toppity. Uh, but actually, there's a lot of places outside London that are even better. You know, so yeah, yeah. Watford, you know. Did I, I just... It's also good from the, yeah. from the perspective is it's very self-contained in the sense of, you know, if you look at a lot of areas which are commutable to London, they only really rely on that commutability factor yeah. to London. There's not yeah, yeah. much else in the area. Whereas a place like Watford, because you've got, I think, uh, you've got KPMG in the area, you've got other big finance companies. Yep. So not only does it keep people who want to live and be in the area who can work, but you've yep. got the commutability factor added to it. So that is just, uh, you know, that just adds to that sort of gravy, if you like. Yeah. And it really, it's interesting. We, there was a false start in Watford. That Watford Luton sort of had a bit of a false start. We're looking at those sort of areas. Um, and certainly Watford did. We were going to, you know, there's three or four developments that were going to go ahead. Then they got stopped. You know, now they're going ahead again, you know, and I think now is a, it's a great time to, you know, look at that sort of stuff because there's so much money getting spent there. It is so commutable. It's so easy. And, and a lot of people after COVID are happy to get out of the city and live out of the city, you know, so that, they, you know, if, if we get locked down again, um, you know, which I just heard something too in Oxford's, Oxfordshire, they're talking about, and I, I haven't verified this, they're talking about apparently practicing shutdowns like COVID where they're restricting access to people that come in or go out of areas, which I, I thought was bloody hell. If that happens, you certainly don't want to be uh, you know, in a lockdown area. But, yeah. but no, I think Watford you know, is a great example. And it's one example of a commuter town because obviously we've said you know, um, the Ripple Effect Pentagon, which is actually just behind Ritesh's head there, you know, we talk about London Zone 1 and 2, 3, 4, 5. You know, then you've got commuter towns, major cities with universities. And we used to talk about major towns with more than 100 people uh, population. We sort of don't do a lot of that now because, to be fair, the fundamentals just aren't there as much. But, you know, certainly commuter towns have been one of our favourites for a long time, you know. Uh, yeah. What about you, Ritesh or James? What are your What's your pick? I... Um... So yeah, London, commuting out to London, always, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Outside of that, my pick for, for ne the next couple of years, where I think there's going to be some real performance is Birmingham. Yep. Because um, I, I, I just look at the last sort of five, five years or so, five, six years, and you, know, you sort of have Manchester, Birmingham, and Manchester's been marketed really well. Yeah. And prices for Manchester have really gone. I mean, I remember 2000, 2015 it was when we were getting into zone one equivalent of manchester northern quarter yeah. you know 160s 170s i just had a development sent to me in the northern quarter 
last week. I mean, it is a very high-end development, but we're talking 300K for one beds. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, you know, to, to give you an idea there. But Birmingham has grown, but because it wasn't marketed as well for me, is, is now starting to come to the forefront. Yeah. And, you know, you had this huge big city plan in Birmingham where they want to grow the core of the city by 25%, creating four or five different districts. Um, so you've got, you know, Digbeth, Southside, east side and then we've done projects in all those areas yeah. um and that is now really starting to gain momentum um rents have started started to go up prices have started to go up and i say started to go up because they still you know haven't gone, gone to that stage where manchester went which is yeah. pretty crazy in my opinion but it's yeah. now now's the time where i think to definitely catch that wave that's going to happen in birmingham the hs2 uh, which is signed off and sealed now, which 2029 or something around then, yeah. you know, that's going to take London to Birmingham 45 minutes. Uh, I mean, the guys always, guys in the office always always have a laugh because I live in an area called um, Ickenham, which yeah. they call commuter belt. They say, you, I don't even live in London. Uh, <laughs> mind you, Ryan's called that to Potter's Bar, so he can't talk anymore. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it takes me, our office is in Farringdon, and it takes me door to door one hour to get into to effectively London. Someone's going to be able to live in Birmingham or London and within 45 minutes get from there to there, which for me is an absolute game changer because you, you know, transport, connecting people, uh, you know, to places massively changes, you know, what the property market does. Um, you've already got big companies in the area. So that whole big, big business pool that we talk about, yep. you know, KPMG, PwC, HSBC, Goldman Sachs, are there now as well um so you know that's already there and that 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 will only get bigger because let's face it london will always be the face of, of, of big businesses but when they're looking for second and third offices um and they're looking for more value in terms of the, the office space etc then these places do offer it yeah. and you've got the, the graduate retention now as well yeah. in birmingham so the four or five universities there you know Back when I was growing up, showing my age now, you know, you might go and study at a university campus outside of London, but as soon as you graduated or you know got your masters or whatever, you'd come straight back to London because it was the place to, you know, best place to live, best place to get a good job, earn money, and all that. Mm. But now graduates are choosing to actually stay in places like Birmingham because they've got the same sort of lifestyle that they can have in London, but for half the cost. Property is more affordable, rents are more affordable. So all that demand pool is massive there. So for me, um, Birmingham is absolutely going to be the spot over the next couple of years to get involved in. Yeah. <coughs> what about uh, what about you, James? Ooh, do I have a curveball here? What have you done? Your mic's gone to crap. Oh, is that mine? <laughs> huh? Now you're back. How about now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, so look, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the the anti Ritesh, and I'm gonna go the other end of uh, the northern poster boy argument, which is obviously Manchester. Um, I, I I no, I truly believe, and I know Rick Rick made a few good points about uh, you know when we were getting involved in Manchester and how we've already seen it grow, and I believe that that is still gonna continue to massively massively grow. Um, for me, the biggest or one of the biggest factors that I've seen I'm actually reading through uh, a JLL report which we might come to at some point in the uh, in the stream but uh, that Manchester population has grown 
I think the last 10 years faster than anywhere else. Um, and that is kind of just a testament to sort of what well, one, how many people do want to live in the area, but two, um, people that are staying in the area as well. And I think alongside Birmingham has a very, very high graduate retention uh, rate. So this is all just adding to what we would say is the demand pool for property in the area. Yep. Um, the other thing I like about Manchester and uh, one of the things I saw as well, I read about the uh, on the report was that the prices obviously have, have reached a certain level um, and new builds in the area have the highest demand for property anywhere else. So, you know, it's we've always said that with new builds in these areas, it's always about setting the bar for where prices can reach and the longer that, and the more that that continues to go, um, the more that we can see, continue to see that growth kick in. Um, there has been a lot of major regeneration that's taken place in Manchester. We've obviously had the Salford Keys, which I think was also Peel Group are doing the, the waterfront in Liverpool now. Um, that's added massive employment into the area with the media city. You've got BBC ITV there. You've got the central business district in the city. Um, I think that's got sort of around 100,000 employees just in that immediate vicinity. Um, again, so this is all adding to that uh, sort of supply and demand equation. And there are still more hubs around Manchester which have been earmarked for major regeneration. I think the other one which we've been looking at recently is the Great Ducey Street regeneration project, which is um, it's going to be 2.8 million square foot of commercial and residential redevelopment. And that's actually just next door to Manchester Victoria. So it's a sort of um, north, is it up there? northwest. Yeah, I can't see the. Where is it? I think yeah, I think it's above the gay village. I'm on the wrong. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. you're. Yeah, it's it's around there somewhere, but yeah, that's yeah. It. So that that's going to be one of the sort of next uh, big capital projects taking place um, in Manchester. So yeah, yeah. two point eight million square foot commercial redevelopment, and we know that with regeneration, yeah. and actually that. The good thing about a lot of these cities, especially Manchester, is that it has so many people and there is not enough land available that they have to start investing into these infrastructure projects to kind of unlock this land to then allow and supplement this demand for people. Otherwise, it will just be, you know, like what London has got, which is a housing crisis in the sense there's just not enough property being built and that's what's kept prices stable. So, yeah, for me, Manchester is... Um, Definitely the one that I'm I'm vouching for. Next. I tell you, I tell you what. Sorry, sorry. It's it's something that's interesting is it, for those of you who remember who had invested or were around that property investment circuit back when the when the global financial crisis happened. Manchester prices dived pretty bad. A lot of developments stopped and, and all those things happened. And and the, there's a key there's a significant difference this time. And that is, back then, what you had was a whole heap of property being built, you know, when there was that building boom and property boom going on through the, the economy. But the infrastructure, the employment, you know, all that wasn't quite set up. So you ended up in a place where, you know, you had all this property, but not enough jobs, you know, all these sort of, not enough, the transport wasn't that good. But now it's very, very different. So anyone worried that, mm. well, hold on, we've heard this whole Manchester story before, back in you know 2000 2007 eight, nine, whatever and look what happened then it's very different this time because now the actual infrastructure in terms of the employment the amount of businesses the population the graduate retention 
is very different. And Manchester is, is a very much a global hub for investment now. The amount of money that comes yeah. in from the from Asia, the Middle East, it, it's crazy. You know, and that's not just uh, the Man City owners, uh, you know, I'm talking about you know, <laughs> from, <laughs> investors, you know. So it's in a very different place for just any of you who might be a little bit concerned from what happened back then. Which it's interesting with the Manchester thing because um, so I was selling in Manchester back in 2003. You know, so we were selling and we were doing literally hundreds of units back then. You know, um, we were running seminars and there was, you know, all sorts of things. And back then, Manchester, in my take, was sort of this quirky little town that I couldn't believe what port, like people were going out with no jumpers or anything on and short skirts and all that sort of stuff at night. And it was as if, you know, and it was freezing cold. Here I am all rugged up and I, you know, I'm an Aussie, you know. Um, but the reality is, Back then, I used to think, you know, oh, yeah, this is just like a northern town. Now, when I go there and I see the shops and I see the technology and I see the the, the, the town, the city and the bars and the restaurants, it is the same on par as any other city, whether it be Singapore, whether it be Sydney, whether it be, you know, wherever. It's on par with that. And I think that's the big change that's happened now. And I think now, you know, which it is, you know, it is. It's the second largest, or is it the second largest city, you know, um, you know, depending on what grade you, you you look at it. But the reality is, those opportunities and those fundamentals are there, and it really has asserted itself as an international city, not just as a, you know, a, a northern city of the UK, you know, um, or a lesser city than London. It, it now is. It's real on its own. Time. So you could go there. And invest just in Manchester and be very happy, you know, because the market is that broad and there's so much happening there. So I think both, I mean, in some ways, you know, saying Manchester and saying uh, Birmingham is a bit of a cop-out for you guys, but we'll let it go. <laughs> let, let, let's ask a, a serious question now, though. Where wouldn't you invest? Where wouldn't you? And what? And, and why? And, and let's not hear no borrowing finesse and easy cop-outs. Give, give, give a proper, <laughs> where wouldn't you invest for next I wouldn't year? Be where do you I, think is going to be I mean, straight away, I, and... I wouldn't be touching Scotland because even though I hate the, the politics that's going on in Westminster, the politics that is going on in, um, what's it called? Um, Holly, Holly, uh, whatever it is, the politicians, the political place there, is even worse. You know, they're talking about, you know, restricting rents, stopping evictions, all this sort of thing, which is just devastating to a market and will backfire. So I wouldn't be touching Scotland at all, ever. You know, they've as much as I'm actually 25% Scottish, you know, so yeah, yeah, that's where my heritage is from. You know? So shout out to Paisley. <laughs> but yeah, but um, that's, that, you know, I wouldn't be touching that. And I think this is one of the big problems right now. And, and you know, it's interesting. I had I was having lunch today with one of my mates um, and I was chatting about my frustrations. We were sort of, we're basically, you know, he's he's in a similar situation where I am where we're sort of pivoting the business because of the recession and, be, and also because of where we are, stage of life, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we want to go to the next level of growth. And, and it was interesting because he was saying, well, you know, what's your biggest frustration? You know, you still got passion for property, and and I, you know, I said absolutely, I got passion for property. That that's not a problem. The thing that pisses me off the most is these politicians that don't know shit. That you know, just jump in, and they just need your reaction, make changes. And I think the biggest um, risk in property now is not rising interest rates. 
It's not, you know, capital values dropping or anything like that. It's political intervention uh, where it's not, where it shouldn't be going, you know, and that's what's screwing a lot of things over. And certainly in the last five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, and even since the global financial crisis, it's been what the politicians have done, which has caused so much heartache and pain for mum and dads who were just trying to sort out their pension, you know, um, and it really hasn't made it equal. They tried to level a playing field. That hasn't happened. They've failed in virtually everything they've attempted. But yeah, that's my little rant for the day that it got off. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because in terms of where I think I, I'm going to invest, look, I'm a, um, uh, you know, as much as I think there's opportunities everywhere, and I agree Manchester, Birmingham, Watford, love all those, I'm still a London person. I love London. And I think as much as London has, London stopped growing in 16, you know, still had a little bit of growth, but, you know, the big growth had done. And then realistically, we would have seen it stop for a couple of years and probably around the Brexit time or the COVID time, we would have seen the market start kicking off again. But because we had COVID, that extended it for another two years. And because we had Brexit, that sort of extended it. So actually, it's been sitting in limbo for quite some time. Um, But I still think the fundamentals are bloody fantastic. And I don't think that has changed. Um, so for me, London property is is where to go. Now, where do you go? Well, obviously, I love regeneration. So, you know, for me, places like, um, and if we just go to, let's say, like for me, you know, places like Lombard Square, which is um, in Plumstead. Now, this is the Barclay Homes website. We, are, you know, we sell this one. Um, you know, the um, we've been selling Royal Arsenal for quite some time, done really, really well. And now you look at the prices there in Royal Arsenal compared to Lombard, you know, huge value. And this is heading out towards what's called the Thames Estuary, which is a swamp. And let's call it for what it is. Sorry, Ryan, I've got your face on here, not mine. But, um, yeah. Is, how did you get? Somehow you stole my um, you stole my uh, my picture. Anyway, um, no, look. So the reality with with a place like this is that I think there's huge opportunity for these type of places because the Thames Estuary now, you know, we're running out of land. Government's releasing land. Government's forcing, well, not forcing, because actually the one interesting thing which is going to play into our hands as investors is they've stopped having targets. So local councils can say, we don't want more construction. Now, the problem with that is that's going to drive up prices. That's going to drive up rents. Because anytime you restrict the supply, you know, and we've got a supply problem, that's going to further drive up the prices, which is good news if you're an investor, really bad news if you're trying to get on the ladder. Um, so that's really, but that whole Thames Estuary, it was a swamp, but these days we can deal with swamps. We can get the water out, you know, we can raise the levels, we can put, you know, uh, barriers in, all sorts of things like that. Um, would I want to buy out on some old, old swamp land? No, probably not. You know, it's one of the things that we check when we actually do stuff and we generally don't touch. Oh, Ryan's given up on us. He's leaving. He doesn't like my opinion. <laughs> but uh, no, and, but it's interesting. No, I just realized my battery was running out. Sorry. <laughs> so one of the other areas that I actually think too um, is this Brett Cross sort of area. And, and it's interesting because when we talk about Watford, you know, if we go back to that original map, um, of Watford, if we come out right there, if we come out, where is so this is Watford here, 
hold on, yeah, there. But basically, as you come out and go into town, straight down, and this is basically the M1 down here, straight down, this is yeah. Brent Cross here, Finchley, Cricklewood. This whole area is being regenerated now, you know? So it's massive regeneration. And then you go into the city, you know? So that's another area that I think, you know, and these are major, major regeneration areas that I really think have got potential. And even if we see dips in house prices, we're likely to see it come back pretty quickly because the sheer scale of the regeneration that we're, we're seeing in those areas. Um, so, you know, so for me, I love London, you know, what area do I love in London? Look, I love lots of areas in London and in where that depends on where the regeneration is. But, you know, there's major, major regeneration happening in a lot of areas across London. And for me, if you can find that area and find the right deal, and one of the good things I think for next year, and even now we're starting to see it, now we're starting to do it, is when we talk to developers, we're actually going to them with the ridiculous offer. You know, it's almost like the offensive offer where they're basically right now saying, no, you're ridiculous. You know, how dare you even offer that? But what I know from experience is they reject it today, but in three, six months time, they come back and go, hey, Brett, hey, Rit, hey, Ryan, you know, hey, James, you know that deal you put on the table? Can we relook at that? And the great thing is that's when we go even further down, you know, because why not, you know? Um, and and that's what's happened. That's where we're at. You know? Now, how far we can get it down depends on what happens over the next year or two. But, you know, I think 2023, what is what it holds is we're going to see unemployment increase. And once unemployment increases and that cycle starts, then it's a two-year timer starts because what happens is we shed off the jobs and we have to get the jobs back. And, and once we get the jobs back, then we have to train the people up to become productive. And until those people are productive in their new jobs, the economy doesn't fully get back to recovery. So it could be six months, it could be 12 months, it could be two years, you know, unless they really screw it up, in which case, you know, we could have a depression event, which could be four years, you know, um, and really that's kind of unknown, you know, but there is a deleveraging that I think is going to happen. Um, but I think UK, because we have been so self-harming since Brexit, since COVID, since all these things, actually, we're not likely to see the drops that we're likely to see in the US and other places. You know, we don't have, you know, yeah, we've, we've maintained that. pretty well, uh, even during self sabotage. We have, but what we haven't seen is the prices grow. I mean, I look at, I'm in Australia right now, and, and I look at some of the prices here, and I'm just like, how the freaking hell? Like, wow, you know, we haven't seen that in the UK. And the same thing happened in the US. Now, they've gone up, but they can also come down, you know. So whereas the UK hasn't really gone up nowhere near like it has in those sort of places. And so it may not come down as far as well. Plus, we've also had what's called the mortgage market review back in 2014, which meant that you had to affordability and restrictions. And that's all been piling on which has been keeping and suppressing the demand. You need more money to buy into a property. You need to have more affordability. And that allows a lot more gap in the market before people have to sell. So I think all these things play now. And, and you know, as much as they've been painful the last 10 years, you know, now is when hopefully they benefit us. Yeah. So it, anywhere else you think, guys? 
to invest in. Yeah. Um, I think it's it, because we started off with this as where would you invest during a recession? Yep. You know, it, it will, you're, you're not going to be massively spoilt for choice because any other place you're going to pick is going to be a bit of a gamble. Hmm. Um, you know, a bit of a, it might work, it might not. Um, I think more important though than the area is strategy of how how and what do you invest in during a recession. Yeah. You know, so for example, um, a lot of people are naturally driven to towards high rental yields, not yeah. knowing what, what is it, what, what are you sacrificing for that high rental yield, and it and it's more than just growth in my opinion. You know, I think when when you when you chase things like high rental yields or high yielding investment opportunities you're risking way more than just your growth. Um, You're risking your entire capital to an extent. You're risking a lot of things. I think the the question for me more than area is, is what sort of strategy do you follow during a recession? Do you go, do you go and enter the second hand market? Do you start doing refurbs? Do you start doing HMOs? Do you start doing student accommodation? Do you start doing this or that? What, What is that strategy you follow? And everyone has their own sort of opinion and thoughts on what the best one is and some are valid some are wrong and some people are just absolute crooks the ones that try and push you student pods for example um <laughs> you know uh, so um for me i think if if in terms of areas there aren't too many that you can you should pick during a during a recession you should just pick city centers strong fundamentals follow the regeneration money money that generally gives you two three places maybe four at a push next step is what do I invest in? Do I go down the second-hand route and, and look at the second-hand market and pick any second-hand property and just go and invest there? We're talking London, Manchester, Birmingham, and even Manchester, more so Manchester and London. Do I just go and invest in any area or any part of Manchester or London, you know, picking that the, the no. specific pocket within those areas and having that right strategy that will work for that area, for that market, you know, in this current property cycle? Um, which is a which which is a which is a lot harder to to sort of answer, and it's a lot harder for people to actually get their head around what is the best investment to go down because it doesn't necessarily mean just because you've been doing, for example, refurbs for the past ten years and it's done really well for you, it's going to continue to do well during that recession. Yeah. Um, you know, um, what is the strategy to go on? So for me, it would be off plan. Uh, is is a massive strategy to to look at during during the sort of these these sort of markets because to an extent you're maximizing your leverage you're looking at that long term um, sort of growth in in the property um, and and you're hedging your bets against sort of the the regeneration of the developer without chucking all your money in straight away uh, leaving you liquid to be able to take advantage of more opportunities that come up in the market. And I wouldn't go beyond the, those three three sort of areas that we that yeah. we mentioned, or four areas that we mentioned. Yeah. It's it's interesting with the um one of the things I find is that through recession is that when you talk about strategy, is a lot of people all of a sudden they go, I've been doing this, I know the rules of the game. I, I know this strategy, I know how it works. And then all of a sudden what happens is we hit a recession and they forget everything they've learned and they go, oh, uh, I'm going to go do this now. And they start a whole new strategy from scratch where you're going to relearn all the lesson, the rules of the game, all that sort of stuff. And it's the biggest mistake possible. And it's interesting because we, we saw this play out in the last recession with the global financial crisis. We had 
I don't know, 50 competitors. And what we saw was in the space of about eight months, 10 months, 12 months, we saw it go from 50 competitors down to very few left, you know, let's say five or 10 um, guys. And a lot of them, what they did was they go, oh, this, you know, you can't make money in property anymore in the UK. So we're going to go sell Bulgarian property. We're going to do Spanish property. We're going to do A, B, C, D, whatever. And they changed strategy. And all of a sudden when they changed strategy, they didn't understand the rules of the game, the market, the clients they didn't have. And by doing that, they almost compromised the existing database they had. We, we stayed on that point. And, and I say as a business that we stayed on that, but it's the same as an investor. The, I think the worst thing you can do is sit here going, oh, the market's changed. I'm now going to change strategy as the market moves. Because when the market moves, it moves relatively quickly. It'll have periods where it does bugger all and it stays pretty stagnant you know, for a long time. But then all of a sudden it'll change. And if you change your strategy at the same time, you know, you can end up with real problems. And then you don't, if you don't understand the game and the rules, then, you know, you end up losing money. And that's what a lot of people, and I guarantee you, a lot of people will do that. They will try and find the biggest sales hype, you know, the biggest commission that's being offered, or sorry, the biggest discounts being offered, all this sort of stuff. And the reality is the reason they're offering big commissions is because it's a shitty area that's going to drop even more. And then they're left holding the bag. And that's not what you want. You know, so stick to your fundamentals, stick to your, you know, every person house, stick to, you know, the original fundamentals we talked about, that sort of thing. And actually, you know, stick to what you know, the rules of the game and, and the relationships you've got that you know work. And I think that's one of the best things that you can do for investing next year. You know, any other thoughts on that, guys? I just, yeah, I just think recessions in, in general flush out. The crap, yeah. <laughs> to, to yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, look what happens during recessions. Every business, you know, every business gets lean as they can. They look at their productivity. They look at you know where they're spending their money, where they're getting value for their money. What is really what is worth spending? What is it? And up to a certain degree, even with investment strategies, like people who have you know, you could sometimes make an investment and it does well for a, a year or, or, or might work once. Or you, you know, you get money in, get money out quickly in a certain part of the, the economy, fine. But the, the ones that stand the test of time is, is what I'm interested in. So and that means having an investment strategy, investing in, in property or whatever it is that you can hold through recessions. Because if it can't hold through a recession, either, either that strategy is the short-lived, it was a bit of hype that you got involved in, okay? You know, that, that's one of the things that can happen. Or you just haven't planned out your your end of the bargain very well. So in property, that might be, have you cash flowed? Have you cash flowed your investment every two years? Have you factored in higher interest rates through tools like mortgage cost averaging that we talk about, working on a nominal interest rate, which is higher, regardless of where the rate is to stack capital aside for, you know, all these things. So, it, it, you know, recessions, no one wants a recession. I'm not going to sit here saying it's a good thing, but up to a certain degree, you know, there's a school of thought where it does clean out, you know, things which shouldn't be happening or shouldn't be invested in or people with poor business strategies, all those sort of things. Yeah. And that, that's what I we're sort of going to be at over the next 12 months. I mean, it's interesting. I, like, I love our developers and I, I love who we work with. Um, but you do get, and, and developers do get an arrogance about themselves when the market is doing really well. 
where they're like, no, this is what it's worth. And it's like, well, it's not really worth. You're actually pricing. And, and this is what happens if we start to reach the top of the market is they raise the prices. So even though it might be worth this now and they're completing then, they'll get the you know the price here. And so you kind of like, well, I'm paying over the odds at this point in time, but there's no other choice, you know? And, and unfortunately, that's the new build premium when that starts to blow out at a certain time in the market. The good thing now, it, it clears that out and it, it brings them back down to earth where rather than us having to court them, you know, they start courting us, you know. We start getting free lunches and things like that. Not really, but <laughs> but, um, but no, it, 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 that does happen. And, and I, I do, as much as I hate recessions, I love making money doing nothing. The reality is the recessions do clear it out and they do help reset everything. I think that's, that's what we're seeing now. You know, we're seeing the, the reset already begun. And, you know, we play the game where we have to forward anticipate what's going on because we've got to go, actually, this is how much discount we want on a property because I think the price is going to come down this much. So we want our investors to be ahead by the time it completes and things like that. And we've been very successful at doing that. Certainly, you know, post global financial crisis you know um, since we moved into the, the places good fundamentals you know we haven't really had too many problems with that um, that's not to say that prices don't go down you know but um they do but oftentimes in those fundamental areas when they do hit a recession they go down they come back up pretty quickly you know so yeah anything else guys what, what any other areas that we should make special note of anything that is there anything else? I think actually, one, I was going to say one thing too. Um, it's interesting because a lot of people will say, "Hold on a sec, recession." I think you know everyone's sort of flight to um, you know flight to space, um, quite quitting. So all these holiday destinations, I, I you know I think I might look at Airbnb. Well, there's two things that are happening now with that Airbnb, the service accommodation that side. Number one is that councils now are putting in regulations that are going to actually really make that area a lot more difficult. And if you look around the world at what's been happening with those areas, you look at a hotel and the standard they have to be at with fire exits, with all this sort of stuff, everything like that, that's where they're going to put the Airbnbs. And the moment you do that, that takes away all this margin that you, you know, you're getting. The other side of it is, is that um, the... Oh, I forgot the point now. Um, so Airbnb... Um, no, it'll come back to me. On that Airbnb quickly, Brett, though, if you do buy, um, there, there are some developments coming online which are purpose-built yeah. for service accommodation. I think yeah. those are worth an investment in because if you're purpose-built for something, I think that's going to come across the board with everything else. why I think long-term yeah. new build is going to way outperform the second-hand market because new build will always be in line with regulation. Um you know, across a number of things, across a number of things in terms of materials, for example, a lot of the older houses, the new materials don't act, doesn't actually do the job on the older houses from a condensation point of view, mold point of view, and so on and so forth. Like a lot of the new uh, insulation, I heard the other day something I had no idea about. You cannot put an insulation, uh, the particular insulation that a lot of new builds use now, in an older house in the in in the in the loft because it blocks out too much of the airflow Airflow. and the older houses will get molding versus the new houses, the way they're built with that insulation, they put the dedicated airflow vents in there. So a lot of these things 
people don't actually know about and they think, okay, let me step out there and buy a secondhand property. It's 100K cheaper. Yeah. Not knowing the way you're old and get that up to standards is going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah. And I think the new build market is is going to up, well outperform yeah. everyone. And, and the same thing with service to accommodation and Airbnb. You can no longer just go and oh, I'll buy this cottage and I'll make it an Airbnb. I think yeah. service accommodation will be regulated and, and purpose-built service accommodation is mm. not, not a bad investment. And- and for those people that are sitting out there, I mean, we've had quite a few cases recently. You know, if you go back a year ago, we'd find out there was a service accommodation in there and the block manager would be like, oh, they're not allowed to do that. We'll send them a letter. And they get a letter and you know what happens? Nothing. Well, now block managers starting to go, no, this can no longer be done. So they're actually deactivating fobs. They're tracking fobs. They're doing all these sort of things now to restrict that because it's written in there that they can't be service accommodation. Um, you know, so, and actually the problem is, and we've had this recently with a new new property we bought on, the landlord's come across to us because he was doing service accommodation. He got totally screwed over because what happened was he wasn't allowed to do it. Somebody had signed a contract and because that contract was there, they ended up having to pay out the contract to get the person out, you know, um, because they had a contract that they didn't even know about um, because they didn't carry out the checks they should have. You know, and the judge said, too bad, you didn't carry the checks out, pay them out, you know, to get the property back. So we've taken the property on, obviously not on a, on a service accommodation, but I think that's an area where, you know, a lot of people are sitting there going, I'm making two and a half grand and there's YouTube videos. This is, you know, retire in 60 days. I think a lot of that, you know, because I've seen regulation come into lots of, you know, aspects that we do. And as soon as that happens, the margins start to get pushed. Now, if you've got a big enough portfolio, you could probably ride through it. You can probably afford it. But if you've got one here, two, you know, one there, two there, you know, whatever, you know, that might not become viable anymore or as viable. But yeah, purpose built, fine. You know, I think short term rentals, there's a market for it, you know, definitely. Uh, but yeah. Um, what else, guys? Anything else? Finish off? So, I mean, just, just to, to finish off from my perspective is that, so, you know, obviously we mentioned a few areas there but i mean if we just step back from actually the names of those areas i suppose it's the, the key to I suppose where you should be investing over the next couple of years um, in the sort of cycle that we're in is where the best fundamentals are you know in terms of make sure there's you know good, good school shops transport and diverse employment opportunities as well because we're living in a world where things change very, very quickly, you know, where one industry might be thriving and then technology comes in and just steals all the income at that, and jobs that that industry offers. And all of a sudden, you know, an area just dies because it's reliant on that one industry versus being in areas which the ones we said earlier are, you know, you've got service, banking, finance, tech, you know, education, you name it. So that if any one given industry or two industries in that area happen to take a bit of a dive, it's not end of the world because guess what? You've got another three, four, five, six. It's not just reliant on one or two industries. And, and yeah. that for me is very important in where we are and where we're heading. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, it's, it's such an interesting time now. It's, I, I freaking hate it. There's so much compliance. There's so many changes because really, to some degree, and who knows whether it's a conspiracy theory or whatever, but basically there's so much focus on, you know, saving the earth 
which look, I'm all for if that's the reality, who knows, you know, whether it's real or not, or whether it's just one big cycle or we contributed to it. Let's not get into that here. But I think the reality is that we're heading towards that. So that's going to cost. And the reality is the government's proven time again that they're not going to pay those costs. We as landlords have to pay the costs. The, the, the challenge I have is where are we getting our profit from with all these changes and that sort of stuff. It's actually Arsenal's just sent a good thing in. I need to change the colour of the bloody font here. But anyway, um, so Passive House seems like an interesting shout, um, shout to future-proof compliance in environmental social government. I think it's social governance, ESG. But but a Passive House is, is effectively how do you build houses? Um, it's a standard methodology, I think. Um, but yeah, basically, you're right with, with that. There is a lot now of standard methodologies, um, but technology is playing a huge part in you know new build properties and that sort of stuff um perhaps not as as much as i thought i mean but i think it is now starting to become commonplace and i think as that becomes more commonplace uh better but i think you know the, the sort of the, the this passive house principles are they principles are they i suppose you call them principles um it's it's effectively a template on how to build an energy efficient home um and that sort of stuff is great, um, but you're not going to get that in a secondhand property. You know, it's that's the new build stuff, and that's what most builders, certainly your larger guys, are building to these days. Those standards that are set. I'm pretty sure they are standards. I, I'll look it up. I'll, we'll mention it in the next one anyway. But um, I was reading. I, I haven't read about it for a couple of months now. Um, but yeah, it, it is amazing the technology that's going into stuff now. Um, so yeah, you know, I think definitely new build from that perspective is great. Um, and as we go and, you know, toward more towards saving the planet, you know, they're talking about discounted mortgages. They're talking about better rates. They're talking a bit like EV vehicles, you know, government grants, all these sort of things, you know? So, yeah. Um, cool. Anything else? I think that's um, pretty much it, is it? That's pretty much it, I think. Yeah. So, well, guys, thanks for today. Guys, any questions you've got, Thank feel you. free to... Um, send them in you can send them in to support at gladfish.com and uh, but otherwise we'll see you next week we're going to be talking through lettings next week the state of lettings market where we think it'll go what what's going to happen what's in store for 2023 uh, but obviously if you're interested in investing anything you want to know about you know where we think the market's going whatever give the guys a call and um, yeah we're happy to um, uh, yeah chat through Darren just uh, commented thank you someone finally recognised my um <laughs> I, I assume by sick he means good sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah I was trying to find the Santa hat, but I couldn't find it. So anyway, and I got rid of the blonde hair now. Santa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah. awesome guys. All right, well, thanks very much, guys. And yeah, any questions, send them through support at gladfish.com. Otherwise, we'll see you again next week. Actually, I think next Good week advice. will be the last. Oh, for the year. Yeah, we'll do the last for the 20 year. Yeah, but um, yeah, the good sick, he said, um, and Darren said. <laughs> thanks, Darren. I agree. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Thanks very much, and we'll see All you the best. all again next week. See you later. Take bye. Care. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Where's the...